Ernest, what's up? Look, I want to put you on to something that's been making waves in the personal finance world. If you've been relying on Mint to manage your finances, I got some news that might startle you at first. Mint is no more. But hold on, because every cloud has its silver lining. And in this case, that lining is Monarch Money. For those of us searching for a robust, user-friendly alternative, Monarch Money is stepping up to the plate. And from personal experience, it's hitting a home run. Let's get personal for a moment. Managing finances can be a maze of confusion, stress, and time consumption. Believe me, I've been there, jumping from one finance app to another, hoping to find that one platform that simplifies everything. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design transformed my approach to managing finances. What truly sets Monarch apart for me, though, is its collaboration feature. With money being a top Discord trigger for many couples, the ability to seamlessly manage finances with my wife has been a game changer. No extra costs, just shared goals and clarity. But Monarch isn't just about managing your current finances, it's about building your future. Saving for that dream house, your wedding, or a once in a lifetime vacation becomes not just a possibility, but a reality with Monarch's intuitive tools. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal held it as the best app for savings growth. Monarch Money represents the next evolution in personal finance apps. It's an ad-free haven where your experience is the priority, constantly refined based on real user feedback. It's everything we've been asking for, intuitive, powerful, and relentlessly focused on user satisfaction. Now, for a bit more practicality, Monarch makes transitioning from Mint a breeze ensuring you can bring all your tags and categories with you. It's intuitive design, customization options, and commitment to privacy and an ad-free experience make it stand out in the sea of competitors. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash leisure. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash leisure for your extended 30-day free trial. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Ernest, what's up? Look, today I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind, a real weight on my shoulders. You know, we all have these moments, big or small, that just stick with us. When we don't talk about these things, then they can start to affect our lives in unexpected ways. That's why having a space to express these feelings is so important. I know firsthand the benefits of therapy. It's been transformative for my friends and family. Therapy can help you learn crucial skills like setting boundaries and developing coping strategies. It's not just about dealing with major events. It's also about enhancing your day-to-day -day life, allowing you to become the best version of yourself. So if you've been thinking about therapy, BetterHelp can be a great option for you. It's entirely online, which makes it super convenient and adaptable to your busy schedule. You start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time if you feel the need without any additional costs. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EarnYourLeisure today to get 10% off your first month. Remember, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash earn your leisure don't wait don't hesitate head over there now uh, i was just telling uh, troy like I'm, I'm i'm not a podcast guy I'm, I'm i'm very shy i'm a trained introvert i was revenue I'm, I'm a coder i'm an engineer but i found that 
I have to speak. If bad people speak all the time, then people will just be bad. If good people speak all the time, then good people will be more. So I think that anyone who has something or has a certain story, they have to say it. Maybe someone gets inspired by this and you change his or her life. I don't believe in universities. I think 20, days, 20 years from today, no one will go to universities and people will learn from things like you, things like this. And this is where the real value is created. This episode is sponsored by Greenwood. My graduates from my school being Forbes, backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> A mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. Hey, earners. Did you know that the black community has $2.7 trillion of spending power? Are you ready to see what you can do when you combine and recirculate our resources to expand the pool of black excellence? I know I'm ready. And that's why we've partnered with Greenwood, the in-demand black-owned digital banking platform. Greenwood's namesake was founded in 1906, built from the brilliance of black dreamers looking to create a self-sufficient community in the Greenwood district of Tulsa, Oklahoma, a.k.a. Black Wall Street. Today, Greenwood is a digital banking platform with the mission to strengthen the black dollar using the same community reinvestment strategies of the original Greenwood district. And it's powered by a best-in-class mobile app that allows you to bank from anywhere. So, earners. If you're ready to build a new legacy of black economic achievement, go to bankgreenwood.com slash EYL and sign up to be a part of the new Greenwood community. That's bankgreenwood.com slash EYL. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. Welcome to EYL Egypt. Yeah. First and foremost, give yourselves a round of applause, please. Clap it up. Yeah. This is is pretty historic. For those of y'all watching, we actually have a live audience here with us, which is incredible. Uh, and we're on the top of the Ritz-Carlton in Cairo, Egypt. This is another historic moment for EYL. So again, round of applause for yourself for being here. We're going to make history again today, y'all, and y'all part of it. So thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get into it. But before we start, we got to give a special, special shout out to One Love Travel. Shout out to Javon and Chloe for putting this together. Um, dope, dope, black-owned company that is really changing the game when it comes to travel. So shout out to you guys. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. They tapped in. The earners are here. This might be a new standard. What do you think? This might be a new standard. Rooftops, river views. I mean, this is the new thing for us, I think. Yeah, so we're going to get into this. But before we start, I got to say something because this is one of these moments. And I think it's important for everybody. We're going to put this on podcast outlets and YouTube. So people all over the world is going to be able to hear this. But you guys are here right now with us. And a lot of you guys, most of you guys have been with us from the very beginning of our journey. Um, shout out to Miss Business, one of our first, our first, our first, the our first, first <laughs> alumni in the building. She was with us from the, from the early stages, very beginning. And shout out to all of our friends and family that's here as well. Shout out to my boy B on the on the camera. Um, you know, it took a lot of people to get us to where we are now. And we can never forget the beginning stages or the people that supported us at the beginning stages. And, you know, it's very humbling experience starting in um, Troy's dining room and, uh, you know, in Westchester, New York, <laughs> you know, a small town that nobody ever heard Greenberg. of. And um, we didn't we didn't really have any resources. We started with an iPhone and uh, just the information that we learned on the fly. And now to be on the other side of the world doing a live podcast at the top floor of Ritz-Carlton in Cairo, Egypt, in just under three years, just goes to show you that anything is possible if you put your mind to it. And, um, you know, things can change very quickly. So I just want to put that message out there because, you know, we're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to enjoy this. But let's not forget that we all have goals. 
We all have, you know, aspirations, and sometimes it can be seem like, you know, it's so far from from being reached or being attained. But we're living proof that, you know, in a very short period of time, if you put your mind to it, if you're original, you work hard, keep God first, then anything is possible. So yeah. just keep that in mind. Yeah, and this is this is super special. This is, I know we said you started we started in my dining room. This is actually the first time my kids get to watch Daddy at work. So they always see Uncle Rashad and Daddy on on the uh, YouTube, and they watch the episodes and they listen to them, but they've never actually seen us do it live. So this is really important because most of the times when we were shooting in the dining room, I was like, "You got to take the kids somewhere, take them somewhere. They can't make any noise." And so now they get to see us here. Very important, and it's, it's, it's a special moment. So we got one of the brightest, sharpest entrepreneurs, business minds in Egypt. Um, so we're going. This is going to be a universal episode that's going to touch on business topics that you can use in the states but also you know our message is bigger than just america we have listeners all over the world so we want to expand the message and talk about things that's relevant all over the world especially on the continent of africa we just came from nigeria so now we in egypt and um you know we plan on visiting a lot of different countries on the continent so this is going to be a message of uh a lot of information, so, yeah. you know, typical EYL fashion. Yeah, I think it's dope because we could have brought people from other parts of the world and interviewed them here in Egypt, but why do that when there's already amazing talent here? And so when I was talking to Muhammad prior to, to starting today, he said, but I'm not a superstar. I said, don't worry, after this you will be. <laughs> in fact, you are because you're doing things in the tech world that are amazing, and you're not doing it on the football field, and that needs to be highlighted. And so that's why we're here, and we're glad to have you. Yes, yeah, so Muhammad Abdul Naga. Did I yeah. say that correctly? Uh, got Abdul Naga. Yo, give me some. Right. <laughs> You've been killing the pronunciation. Yeah, you know, <laughs> people always mess up my name, so I'm very, I'm very cognizant of saying people's names right. So, tech entrepreneur, fintech superstar, co-founder and CEO of Cleaver. We're going to talk about that. Co-founder of Helen, which is Africa's super app, uh, Egypt's most funded app in 2020, and um, also was the regional director of Kareem. Kareem uh, is the Uber of Egypt, and I believe that Uber, Uber actually acquired them for $3 billion. Um, so we're going to have a, you know, a very interesting conversation. Don't let that go sure. over your head. Don't let that go. $3 billion. Don't, don't worry, y'all. I'm not... Muhammad said, don't worry, I, I, I didn't get all that $3 billion, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's get into this. What is Cleaver? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me here. And uh, I love the place, I love the Nile in the background. And I'm not a superstar, so I, <laughs> I hope I'm not uh, the worst one in all of your episodes, so <laughs> I'll do my best to be okay. So uh, Cliver is a product that enhances the financial health of uh, Egyptians uh, and helps them uh, know how to spend their money better and do it right. It's very similar, it was inspired by Nubank in Brazil, which is a big digital bank, and by Current in the States. Uh, and we're launching in a couple of months, we're building the infrastructure now, and the word comes from Clever, and cleaver, which is means going up, so it's a new word we just came up with to spend less in marketing. So it's a very special word. So we just wanted a new name to, to sit in front of our brand. And your focus, you said, is focusing on the underserved, and so that takes a lot. It takes a lot of humility, but it also takes a lot of compassion. Is that coming from a background where you were at one point, or your family were the underserved, and realizing there's a deficit here and we need to change it? Uh, let me be honest. I was uh, I was uh, not really an underserved family. We I come from a middle class family, uh, but I always aspired for more. I always felt that 
our generation uh, can do more than what they do. We don't have to be all either doctors or mechanical engineers, which is what my family wanted me to do. So uh, yeah, so I, I must say that I, I'm sort of an underserved, especially in dreaming, because we weren't taught how to dream in university. and. Uh, we were underserved a lot in dreaming because we were forced to like find a way to find income, but not to help others find income. And I think the second one is what really matters to us. Yeah, speak, speaking of that, find income. And one of the conversations we had prior was the average income for Egyptian citizens. Can you touch on that? Because a lot of times we got to put things in perspective. When we talk about poverty in America, and we say twenty-four thousand is the limit, and people are making minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour. You enlightened me when you talked about it. Can, can you just touch on that a little bit? The average income in Egypt is not very high. However, the country itself is also not super expensive. Uh, but what we're aspiring to is to increase, uh, in, the, in the companies we started, is to increase the, 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 the extra income. So, for example, uh, there are a lot of Karim captains, the drivers, we call them captains, uh, that increase their income by driving by up to three or four X their regular income. And in February, for example, those shop uh, owners increase their income by paying bills for others. And then Helen, delivery guys, and two and three wheeler drivers. So I think that, yes, the average income in Egypt uh, on a global scale is very low. However, uh, you can live a dignified life in Egypt with uh, much less than any other place in the world. And the, the things we're working on increase the, the extra income, which what makes people able to like uh, pay for their uh, sons or daughters' marriages, uh, travel, uh, buy cars, buy anything they need. Because the, 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 the basic incomes and the basic level of life in Egypt is very doable, but it's very hard to do extra stuff. And this is what we're trying to add to the people we work with. So is this um, a combination of things? Because I see, all right, so we're going to talk about Helen. So Helen was uh, the, that's the Uber Eats. No, Kareem is the, is the Uber okay. of Egypt. So you had just mentioned something where um, the company Cleaver is a banking app. So you said to actually increase people's income. So it sounds very similar to what we talk about on the show a lot as far as multiple streams of income, side hustles where in the States, somebody might be working a job, but then they drive an Uber for mm -hmm. extra income. And then it's like, okay, now you make extra income, but what do you do with that extra income? You got to do something positive. Yes. So now you have a banking act that actually allows them to do something positive. So was that done intentionally where it's like, okay, Kareem, get more income. Now I'm going to start, you know, the FinTech banking app with, you know, so many people are employed now part-time driving cars. Now they can actually do something. Now they have to actually do something with their money. So the banking app just makes sense. It wasn't really planned, but however, this is how the market have been changing. Like in the beginning in Karim, we were looking at uh, copying Uber, let me be frank. Here, we're, we're, not, we're not innovators. If, it, if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> we just copy other things that worked in other countries, and we do it the Egyptian way that fits our markets, and we innovate inside the business itself. So we didn't do a robot that flies or an AI, whatever buzzwords, blockchain, things that people say to make people listen to them. We did something very, very uh, simple, but we executed well. And then Karim, at a point in time in Egypt, we had a hun around 100,000 uh, captains on our platform. So this is 100,000 families making extra income. In Halan, we reached 200,000, which is 200,000 families making extra income. In Cliver, 
yes, as you're saying, we're trying to improve how people spend and make it more transparent. There are no hidden uh, spending. You have to know what you can budget for yourself. You can budget for your family. So if you have $100 and you use our app, you should be able to spend it in a more healthy way to make m the best out of it. Yeah. What, what was the process? Because you talked about you, you were working at Kareem. Uh, and then you had Cleaver. Just went out. Hello. Yep. We good. Yeah. You went to Cleaver. You had Kareem, and then you hit Cleaver. So, what was your background? Did Did you study engineering? Where Where did you get the bug for it, or were you just watching YouTube uh, University? I studied uh, computer electronics engineering with a minor in computer science in the American University in Cairo. It was just across the road from here, and uh, I learned how to code on university, but I learned how to work in the street, in the business itself, because I believe that universities never teach you how to do the work. They just give you the basic stuff. And the real university is life itself and the learning of, of other people. So my managers and my mentors are the ones who taught me how to scale companies, how to use technology to grow. And uh, I guess I come from an engineering background, but most of the soft skills that I learned, I learned in work itself. So you said something that was very important I want to get back to. Because um, we just, one good thing about traveling is that it opens your, your eyes and, and it opens your minds and it gives you ideas. So, A, you said that um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, I'm paraphrasing. And that's true. For any entrepreneur, a lot of times people feel like they have to come up with the next thing. But it's like they pretty much copied what Uber did and they got acquired by $3 billion. So. They got three billion by copying. So there's nothing wrong with copying. You just have to copy the right person yeah. first. And second, um, when you said, as far as like, you know, being in Egypt, that made me think we just came from Nigeria. So we met a lot of Americans that was in Nigeria that moved from America to Nigeria, their family from Nigeria and stuff like that. And they driving Rolls Royces, regular, and they coming from Jersey, Chicago, just regular neighborhoods in New York. And they was telling us that they just served things that were needed in Nigeria, and there wasn't anybody actually doing it. Mm -hmm. So, like, we met a guy that's in cybersecurity. He's just a regular computer program in America, but now he's the head of the whole cybersecurity in Nigeria because there was nobody else doing it. They was outsourcing it to America. So he came and said, okay, A, I'm Nigerian. I can do it for cheaper. I'm American, so I could actually know exactly what they're doing. And like, okay, the guy's, like, running the whole thing. So I say that to say sometimes we just think too small. You can't, and that's even with being out here, that's one of the reasons why we you know, wanted to put this trip together is that you can't just think local. You gotta think global. And there's opportunities all over the world and there's opportunities right there in your backyard if you just look and think bigger. And like I said, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes you can just actually do what somebody else is doing. Take the wheel, make it your own. Yeah, and speaking of this, like uh, I graduated in 2009 from university and most of the people who graduated from my major went outside working for Facebooks, the Monzos of the world. And uh, I chose to stay here because I thought that there is more change that can be done here and within my capabilities. However, uh, we learn a lot from others. Like uh, we learned the, the model from Fauri, which the first company I worked for was based on a model in Brazil called Bradesco, which is very similar to it. Karim was based on Uber or inspired by Uber. Hailan was inspired by Gojek from Indonesia. Clever is inspired by Nubank. So traveling and seeing other countries and learning from, from them, the ones that are similar in the DNA, like what works in Brazil should work in Egypt, similar 
the, the, it's a big country with a big population, different socioeconomic levels. So this is very important to travel and to learn and to go back to your country and execute this in the best possible mode with the best resources and try to make a difference. And it usually happens when you do it well. And you can also partner with other people from other countries. Yeah, yeah. That's another opportunity. When we was in um, Nigeria, we spoke to uh, David O, who is a huge Afrobeats artist. His father's a billionaire. And he was telling us, he was like, you guys can come out here and just make a killing. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things. So when he, when he looked at the merch, he said, man, I love the guy. I love your merch. I love the ads and some liabilities. I love what you guys wear. Why don't you collaborate with Adidas? I'm like, yeah, it's not that easy, though. <laughs> um, but you, you did say something important about collaboration. And so I want to talk about Halana uh, just really quickly because it is a one-stop shop for everything. And one of the key factors is the e-commerce section where you have the, the buy now, pay later. And for everybody here, y'all know we've been talking about buy now, pay later when we talk about companies like Affirm, who did a deal with Target and Amazon, and we saw Afterpay get acquired by Square. Is that the long-term vision for you guys? Are you looking like, all right, we see that this is going to be successful, let's package it, hopefully get acquired at some point? Let me be honest, the way Halan we thought about it is go to a certain target segment in Upper Egypt or in Delta and places that don't know the Amazons and the Jumias of the world, and we gave them a very simple product that does technically everything. Like you can uh, use, uh, you can, it's mobility, you can use it for mobility, you can use it for making more money, for e-commerce, for delivery, for uh, lending, for everything. So what we thought about is go to a certain target segment and just give it a super app that does technically everything. And we keep on trying, trying, trying. Speaking of buy now, pay later, uh, I think that uh, Egyptians here are a bit different from uh, Americans in this area because we're not really, edu we don't have enough financial education to borrow money uh, more than our uh, capabilities. So what I think is better... That, that's actually very smart. Is that a good thing? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good thing. <laughs> because I personally, um, I think that people should know what the, why they're borrowing and how they're borrowing. Like I cannot be making $100 a month and I'm wearing a $500 shoe and I'm paying it over six months. It doesn't make sense to me. So what I think is more important <laughs> is to educate people and tell them what they can afford and borrow for essentials, like borrow for education, borrow for, uh, to, 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 for health. But buy now, pay later, I think that it's pushing people to spend more than what they actually make. And this is extremely dangerous in my humble opinion. So I think what's more important is save now, buy later. So you mean like actually buy something that you can afford? Yeah. So you, if you can't buy it twice, don't buy it. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's a crazy way of thinking. Where'd you get that from? Where in the world did you create that? My God. Oh, man. No, yeah, we got a whole system to just don't worry about it. Pay it back later. I don't worry about it. Well, it's it's 10000 Pay it 29%. Don't worry about it. So you guys don't do credit cards over here, right? We do credit cards, but credit cards are only for the super rich people. Like they can afford, they have a very good scoring, they know that they can pay it, and they are able to pay uh, the credit card 50, 60 times from their wealth and from their money. So as you say, as you say assets over liabilities. So this is much more healthy, and I think that uh, it's, it's good for the economy, it's good for the people. Maybe people won't look as posh as what they should look, but it, it makes them better and it makes them able to to pay for their children better and pay for the necessities more. Um, 
So mobile bank, that's pretty much what your app is, a mobile banking app, right? Yeah. And you're targeting rural areas that are underserved, like unbanked areas, right? The new one, Clever, we're targeting the high end. Highland, the one I'm still a shareholder, but I'm an executive targeted the lower end. The lower on end. On socioeconomic level, yeah. Okay. So I noticed that the lower end, that's a common theme in Africa also because I was watching 60 Minutes. There's, um, there's one in Kenya that's really, really big. They use like this um, mobile banking app. Yeah, M-Pesa. Yeah. M-Pesa, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Then there's one in Ghana. We talked. What was, what was, what was that one called? I, I don't know. That, that was the one that David O was into. But I said that to say... Um, it seems like this is a theme all throughout Africa where people in rural areas that don't have access to physical banks, um, this new cell phone technology to actually banking apps is something that we've been seeing and hearing a lot about. Yeah, and the technology allowed us to leapfrog the banking. Like we went from, in Africa, we went from cash to mobile banking and many countries like Kenya skipped the banking itself. And you have more wallets than, I think, humans in Kenya. So th th this is because it's much more easier. It's much more, it's faster. And honestly, banks are, I don't think banks are here to stay. Like, I think banks have to, disrupt, to be disrupted or they have to change because the new generation do doesn't want to go to a bank and stand in a branch and take a number and doesn't make sense that this user is paying for the marble branch uh, rent and for the for the salaries of all of those people like the mobile allows you to do everything at a much much lower cost so i think that mobile banking is coming over to eat up the whole banking industry and digital banking will happen one way or the other. Yeah. Fin fintech stocks for anybody that watches market monday this is why we talk about fintech so much so the reason why I ask that question is that a lot of times we don't know what's going on in the world. As Americans, we just focus on America. But you got to have a global perspective, especially if you're investing in stocks and companies. This is why we see, once again, in, when we was in Nigeria, the, big, the biggest building that was there, who owned Microsoft. it? Microsoft. Microsoft. Yep. So, you know, countries all over the world are being affected and... You can't wait. As an investor, you can't wait. You got to stay on top of the trends. So I say that to say fintech, mobile banking, this is something that, you know, you need to get ahead of. And if you're an investor, you definitely need to understand the companies that um, are putting a lot of money into it. And if you're a business person, um, you should, you know, look into starting a partnering with these type of companies. Yeah. And Mohammed's given us the blueprint, right? Like, look, <laughs> you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Go to a country, travel, see what's not there. Coming from, uh, especially in America, we know what works there. We can implement it here. But I want to talk about, because you're on the board of a number of tech companies. What do you look for in a company to say, you know what, I want to invest. I want to be a part of the success of this going forward. My latest investment was a company called Breakfast, which is like breakfast, but with bread. Instead of, and they just uh, raised uh, $26 million yesterday, actually. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I have a very Nobody nice... Nobody clap. $26 million. <laughs> the, the, Yo. The, this company... It's a crap. <laughs> all what they do is they, they have a couple of dark kitchens that started off by producing bread and automating 7 a.m. every day you have your bread at your door started like that, but did it well. And then they're scaling into technically everything now. So I invested in this company because the users liked it. And this is the most important thing. If the users are happy, then you can ask them for more money, then you can give them more services. So whenever I find the users, whether they're B2B or B2C, are happy, I don't hesitate at all. This is, this is the real thing. You said B2B? Yeah, B2B because some companies are business to business. Yeah. If the businesses are happy, then you're good. Yeah. B2C, if the consumers are happy, then you're good. So this is the, like Tesla, 
I'm a big fan of Tesla. Like uh, all the Tesla car owners, they, they usually like and they're very proud. They have to tell you that they own a Tesla in, in their own. <laughs> and if they if they put their this money in a Tesla stock, they would have made much more, but they want to own the car. So they like it. And this is why the company will just keep on getting bigger and bigger and bigger because the users are happy. And happy means a lot of money. <laughs> Let me ask you about crypto. Um, how is crypto in Egypt, is it is it being used? Is it uh, accepted? Is it adoption? What's the what's the vibe for crypto out here? Crypto in Egypt is banned. It's illegal. And your uh, I I I personally invested in crypto back in 2011. I bought a um, thousand and something bitcoins by mistake, and I sold them by mistake. What? But wait, a thousand wait, bitcoins? Yeah, wait, back then, yeah. But the you sold, is, how'd you sell a thousand bitcoins by mistake? I, I'm I'm a gamer. I play games, and uh. we used to use it for. Uh, buying things inside the game so uh, today i i don't put money in crypto at all because i think that it kills uh, how i see business because it goes up very fast down very fast and it doesn't make sense to me that it goes that big and uh, i'm a fan of gold so i'm the opposite of crypto i think that everything has to be supported by something physical or something that supports it however it's a big market and i believe in blockchain and DeFi which is decentralizing everything. But crypto itself, I am afraid to reinvest in it. it it's very risky to me. Set a thousand. <laughs> a hard drive. Yeah. I don't think this way. Like, speaking of uh, going, uh, doing multiples, Fauri, which is a company I had shares in, I sold the shares uh, four years ago, five years ago. Today, they're 160x what I sold in the market. Uh, but if I think this way, I, w I won't be able to survive because whenever you look back and you say, wow, if I did this, I would have made a lot of money. You'll, you'll spend your life like uh, killing yourself and saying why I did this. So I just look to the front and we, keep going. We all, we all make mistakes. Yeah, it's okay to make mistakes. <laughs> we Some all of us make more than one. <laughs> yeah, we all make mistakes. <laughs> as long yeah. as we learn, right? We all make mistakes. <laughs> um, I think you made uh, there's a certain mistake that's ringing a bell now. Right? Well, I was thinking about yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The um, options, oh. XLK, XLY. <laughs> oh. yeah, I'll let you tell the story. We all make mistakes. <laughs> we all make mistakes. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about gold. It's funny you say that because we just came from the museum today, and it was you know obviously King Tud, and they was telling us about gold Powerful. and how everything is. They were talking about how especially back then gold was so abundant, yeah. and it just dust of gold just flying all over the place. So we're in the home of gold. So you said you, you believe in gold. Um, why do you believe in gold? Are you investing in gold? You invest in gold? Yeah. Physical gold? Or yes, phys a lot of people in this region invest in gold bars, like physical gold? Yeah, like uh, I invest in gold, yes. I, uh, I invest in gold, but I put it in a certain place. There are certain companies that keep it for you here in Egypt. Uh, and I believe that gold is very important because if you look, if you look at uh, longer term investment, like 10, 20 years, and you look at the graph of gold, it's always going up. And whenever there is a problem in the world like COVID or whatever, you find it even going up and up because it's... Uh, store value. Yeah, store value and it's very stable. And uh, there is a limited number of amount of gold in the world. So, and also countries like, a country like Lebanon, I think what's keeping it up till today is because it has a lot of gold reserves. So it's type of stability. And it's, uh, it's also important for, for long-term wealth because stocks go up and down very fast. 
there is a certain point in time last year, I gained a zero and lost a zero in the same year in my wealth, which was crazy. In your wealth? Yeah, because of a certain company. So this, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> gained a zero and lost a zero. I like that. That's a quote. That's a bar. We call that a bar. That's a bar. We're taking that one. <laughs> so gold doesn't do this. Like It goes up $50 per ounce, $100 per ounce at maximum, but it's very systematic and it's very stable. And I, I think it's good to have a certain part of your wealth has to be in something like this, in my are there, opinion. Are there any other commodities that you invest in outside of gold? Uh, gold, and uh, I think that there are certain brands that just go up, like Rolex watches, Patek Philippe watches, APs, because the, 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 the demand and the supply, it's very obvious. You cannot get one now. So I think they will just go up because luxury, luxury products are going up. You can see this from the LVMH stock. So th those are also very important. I'm speaking about light assets. I'm not a fan of real estate, so. Yeah, I, I only ask because we had a, a, a small <laughs> conversation. And for those who don't know, I'll tell you, Mohammed is a huge Rolex collector. I love them, yes. But you said you didn't do, you wear yellow gold ones. No. And so I'm thinking you collect gold, but you don't wear the yellow gold Rolex. Yeah. So there must be another Kanadi, maybe platinum, maybe silver. Um, where did the collection come from? Is that something as a child you said, I need to have that? Because we have a friend, I won't say his name, Mike, uh, that also collects. Um, nothing compared to your number, but where did, where did it start from? When I was in school, uh, my mother uh, used to... Uh, used to treat when I do something good she used to buy me a watch not a Rolex of course oh, 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 uh, okay. so whenever I do I something good mama, like, you owe me some yeah <laughs> yeah uh, when, whenever I do something good I buy myself a watch so and you have to clap for yourself because sometimes no one is clapping so <laughs> why, why, why don't another bar that's a fact why don't you wear um gold Rolexes uh, our in in Islam in our religion, some people say it's. Uh, I'm, I'm not very religious to be honest, but I just think I like how white gold and platinum and stainless steel look. It just it's just personal preference. It's a personal preference, yeah. Um, you know, go. You know, um, they were just talking about the rich and Millie. How um, I think I Meek Mill brought one for two hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. And then a couple months later, he brought it. He sold it for five hundred thousand. Yeah. That watch is is running up like Tesla stock right now. There's <laughs> a very limited amount of pieces in the world, and there's a unlimited amount of people that want to buy it. And the Rolex thing is interesting because when we was buying Rolexes um, last year, there was a shortage of Rolexes in America. You couldn't get it. And um, like you would have to wait 13 months for a Rolex. It was yeah. extremely, extremely difficult to get Rolexes. Even now, there's not a lot of inventory. So speaking about investments, I just you saying that is very, is very key. Rolexes... Definitely a great investment. I know Mike, shout out to Mike, just got the Sky Dweller. <laughs> we can clap for that. He only waited 18 months, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes you got to think of the box. Everything can be an investment if you if you do it correctly. Uh, but stocks, how is the, you have an Egyptian stock market, right? Yeah. Do Egyptians in, invest in that or they just invest in the American stock market? They invest in the Egyptian stock market. Actually, Fawri is in this, two out of the biggest 10 companies in the public markets are uh, uh, fintechs now, and Egyptians are investing heavily. I think the Saudi stock made around uh, 7x since the IPO, uh, one and, uh, two years ago, it's what, the 8th of August 2018. Uh, but the, the problem with investing in the Egyptian stock till now is that uh, you, you, you cannot leverage the forex, the dollar. So the, a lot of Egyptians are trying to invest abroad in the S&P 500 and in, 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 in other NASDAQ and 
other countries. But it's a bit hard because uh, the, the also because of the forex. Like one dollar today is 15.7 Egyptian pound. So th this is a risk and it's a barrier to entry for uh, 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 external uh, stocks and Egyptians like to invest in things they can see like in, uh, Egyptians love to invest in real estate you can find an average Egyptian owning three four houses some are owning a hundred houses uh, and they think that real estate is very good so they're more towards owning something that you can see so when it whenever it's virtual it's hard like I was e explaining NFTs to in a certain conference uh, a month ago and people thought that I'm crazy buying digital something digital they don't get this and this is the problem also with stocks they want to buy physical stuff like gold watches real estate this is where they put the money in that's interesting right because when you're thinking future and they're thinking present i have to see yeah. i need it to be tangible i'm thinking about your career business it's expanded over 15 years what are some of the biggest setbacks that you face staying here in egypt right what are some of the difficulties that you face being a businessman here like, let me be honest, half of my family lives in uh, San Francisco, like my, my wife's uh, family lives in San Francisco, and we go a lot. I go to Mountain View and to Palo Alto, and whenever I go, I feel like, man, what's happening? Like, my son was ordering something from supermarket, a small Starship robot came, and we opened and took the things. I couldn't get this, like, and then when we came back here, my son is like, where is the robot? I told him, it's not here. So... The, this is this cannot be done here if you put a robot on the street the children will run after it and kick it and it won't be uh, logical so <laughs> whenever you're in the states or in silicon valley you can do things that you can never do here but here uh, the beauty is that you see the change like i was doing a report last month because i, I had a, a little bit of a depression and i was looking at things i did uh, in the last 15 years i we found that we created around two and a half million jobs, which is a very big number for, with the companies with it. And this is one of the very few things that keeps us going because the regulations here are hard. The talent is very hard. Most of our tech today is based in Lithuania and in India and in Pakistan. It's very hard to find talent. It's very hard to find funding and money. It's very hard to find uh, the right uh, area to work in. So you have to keep on clapping for yourself and seeing the impact you created to keep on going. And this is extremely hard. So as long as we find this, we will keep on going. But maybe 10 years from today, you'll find me in Silicon Valley and ordering the robot and <laughs> <laughs> drones. And drones are illegal here in Egypt, for example. Oh, okay. You can't, go, you can't fly a drone here. So there is a lot of things that are, you just cannot do. And you have to face it. Yeah, talk about that. You spend a lot of time in Silicon Valley. And compare the differences as far as like... Um, being able to be an entrepreneur like it's more free range in america like can you just kind of give some perspective to starting a business in egypt starting a business in america the problem here with starting a business is that it's not the norm like usually uh, the, the 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 egyptian typical mother will will tell her son go work in a bank or become a doctor or work in an engineering uh, engineering uh, company starting a business is very risky and uh, uh, there is a, a certain legal liability on you here when you start a business. It's not just uh, financial liability because of the taxes and how this, the, the laws are put together. It's very complicated. So it's not easy to start a business here. But however, it's becoming easier and easier as we grow. And whenever there are more success stories, like 10 years ago, there were no startups in Egypt. Zero. No startups. Just government companies and big businessmen, family offices doing company. Today, we have around 
27,000 startups, which is a very big number. And out of, in the last, um, in September, two months ago, Egypt was the highest influx of investments in startups in the region, $162 million versus less than a million dollars a month, 10 years before. So it's moving very fast, legislation moving very fast, but it's very hard and it's very risky. It's still risky. Yeah, I mean, because I'm thinking to myself, obviously you said starting business wasn't a thing, so you become a superstar in this space, right? Because you are doing the startups. How big is mentorship here, right? Are you taking people under your wing? Are you finding people reaching out to you to say, yes, Muhammad, you've done it. Can you now teach me or teach my son or teach my daughter, my family? Yeah, like two days ago, I received a, a call from someone I don't know. He told me, I want you to mentor me. I told him, what do you do? He told me, I do this, this, and this. I told him, man, you're better than me. Why are you calling me? So I think that mentorship is, 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 is big in Egypt, but you have to choose the right mentors. Uh, God served me with the best possible mentors ever in the last 15 years, uh, and they taught me how to do work. But there are also the other side of mentors. There are people that you, you don't want to be like. And those are also very important. Like I remember some people during my, uh, my, uh, my 15 year career, I don't want to be like them. So I, whenever I do something and I find that, uh, can you hear me? Whenever I do something and I find it bad, I say, no, I don't want to be like those guys. So I think there are mentors and there are like, uh, don't do this. And both are very important. So right. Helen, the most funded app in 2020, how much money came in? $134 million. So how did you go about um, raising Money. Where, where the money come from? At the beginning, we had a very big uh, time raising money because uh, we work in a field that was uh, illegal, which is the three-wheelers. The, Egypt has around two million three-wheelers, which they call tuk-tuk, and they're all illegal. Like, but the, like bicycles? No, they uh, rickshaw. They call, it's like a, a motorcycle, but bigger. If okay. you go like two streets inside, you'll see a million in one street. They're very, like cockroaches. <laughs> but the problem is, you know those. <laughs> yeah, we're familiar with those. The, the problem is that they are in the country and they're moving in the country, but they're illegal. So whenever we tried and we were doing ride hailing, ride hailing, which was illegal, for tuk tuks which are illegal. So it was very hard to raise so money. Everything you was doing was illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. My and, type of guy. And then, uh, and then, a certain uh, investor that invested in Gojek in Indonesia knew that. They had something similar, so they gave us money, and the family business, a uh, family office here gave us money, and then we started to become bigger and bigger and bigger until one point, and I don't know why this happened. Everyone wanted to invest with us. I I, I think it's uh, it's a set of stuff like good branding. We did a very very famous song called Selkat, has 55 million views on YouTube, and we did a lot of work on the ground, like like a theme song. Yeah, it's like a song, yeah. Uh, and we did. We opened uh, markets of Sudan, Ethiopia, and it was one one of the very few Egyptian startups to go abro abroad. Usually, Uber is coming to Egypt, Microsoft is coming to Egypt, but an Egyptian startup to go to Sudan and Ethiopia, this was new. And uh, then things started. Money started to come in, and uh, a certain uh, company uh, start uh, started. We, we start to merge with other companies that do the complete the process like we do the technology part other ones do microfinance other ones do consumer finance so we created like a bigger ecosystem and this bigger ecosystem is now profitable and has technology and this is what made people really want to invest with us but we spent like i met 132 investors that said no we won't invest with you uh, 
but at the end, today it's the most funded app because of because it works. Few th few things that I got from that. A, you didn't you didn't let 132 people that say no turn deter you. That's very important. And then B, you said you collaborated, so you realize that you might not be the best yeah. in every single area. So you can focus on one area, partner with another company that does that, and you can break that down on a micro level. As far as our entrepreneurs, a lot of times people try to do everything themselves, but they look at like they don't want to give up anything, but you can partner with somebody that might be better you in a different area and it's less money, but it's going to actually grow your company faster because they're adding value. Yeah. Like uh, speaking of uh, Kanye West Yeezys, Kanye is not a manufacturer. Like Yeezy is just a marketing company that creates good designs and collaboration with Adidas. And I love them. So, and people buy them. And if they are standalone, they're a big company. So he knew his strength. He knew how to do it, and he went to uh, uh, someone to do the part that he doesn't know how to do. And I think this is great, like Beats by Dre. Dr. Dre didn't go and manufacture the, the headphones. Uh, so I think this Apple is a marketing company. It's not an electronics company. It's all made in China, and the chips are in Taiwan. But at the end of the day, you want to put the Apple on your MacBook to look trendy. So you have to know your strength and know other people's strength, and this is where partnerships wins. Yes, he said Yeezy. Shout out is a huge Kanye fan. In fact, he said I wore the Yeezys today for that reason. <laughs> Shout out to Yeezy. But I want to go really quickly because I'm I'm listening to what you're saying, and we go we went over the if it's not broke, don't fix it. But you were the creative director at Kareem, and now Hanan has uh, ride hailing. So did you take what you learned and said, all right, now yes, me, right? You didn't yeah. have to go to Uber. You said, no. let me take where I'm working from right here, yeah, yeah. and let me go make it there. Yeah, that's I, exactly what happened. I copied a lot of what I learned. And I don't think it's something wrong, uh, as long as it's not legally wrong. And this is where experience is built. Like, you'll find all the people in Egypt creating infrastructure companies worked for infrastructure companies abroad. But Highland today, ride hailing doesn't represent 5% of the company. So we just found a, an entry to the market, and then we grew. Like, when you look at Tom's shoes, for example, I think they found an entry by the one-for-one one model. But at the end of the day, People don't care, like, they're just new Toms. So we started by a three-wheeler uh, ride-hailing, which was very similar to what Karim did, but for cars. And then we ex uh, expanded into everything else. So you do what you know, and then you expand on things that you learn. Do what you know, and then expand on things that you learn. That's very important, because even, like, you, you had a job, essentially. And, you know, a lot of people have jobs, but then, you know, being an entrepreneur, you can take what you learned at your job, what you know at your job, and develop a business based off of your training that somebody else actually trained you up for. Yeah, and like PayPal, they call it PayPal Mafia, which are the people who started from PayPal and, and did companies. Karim here, they call it the Karim Cartel. This is what they call it. <laughs> and like more than 50 people from Karim went out and made, new, made their own companies because they knew that it's possible and they got some money from Karim and they knew access to talent and they just started doing their work. So you have to learn from others and do it. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk, for example. I think that a lot of people from Tesla will go out and do electric things, electric cars, electric drones, whatever, because this is where you learn. So it just makes sense. Speaking of Kanye, it's the same thing. Yeah. Kanye, Rockefeller, shout out to Dane. Yeah. You know that tree. And then Kanye's tree. Yep. Look at Kanye's tree. Virgil. Don C. Don C. Uh, you got Big Sean and on an artist standpoint. Uh, you got John Legend from that tree. You got Common from that tree. Yeah. 
I mean, there's, there's so many. Fair God, Jerry. Jerry, Jerry Lorenzo. Jerry Lorenzo. Yep, yep, so yep. all these guys come from Kanye. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So before we wrap, what do you, what do you what's your expectations? Are you are you um, hopeful for the for the future of Egypt? What in ten years from now we come back, we do this interview. What do you, what do you think the future of Egypt looks like? I know it was a lot of you know things that have happened. You guys had a revolution not too long ago, ten years ago. If you really think about it, like we talk about the American Revolution, that's seventeen seventy six. Egypt resolution was <laughs> 2011, so it's still a lot. You know, I'm, I'm assuming still going on. So, how do you, how's the pulse of the country, and how how optimistic, and how do you feel about the future of the country? The amount of roads, new roads in Egypt in the last seven years built, are more than the amount of roads built in the previous 70 years. So the infrastructure growth is exponential. And a lot of people who were working abroad came during the COVID to work from home in Egypt and stayed. So talent is moving up, infrastructure is moving up, economy is moving up, and uh, there is a lot of non-stability in countries around us that are letting people choose us by elimination for investment. <laughs> so those are all good things. Uh, I think the only thing we need in Egypt is foreign investment and foreign learnings because this is something that we lack and this is something that would be a great differentiator. And speaking of America, America is a huge country. I, I, I think you cannot compare it to Egypt, but there are certain uh, cities in, the, in America like Cupertino has Apple, it's based on Apple. And then you will find uh, a place like Mountain View is based on Google. And then you go to Seattle, you'll find Amazon and you'll find Starbucks. So I think that if those companies like the the fairies of Egypt go up and the highlands of Egypt go up, the whole economy will go up. So 10 years from today, I think I think it will be much better. When we spoke about the job creation, and I don't want to gloss over it, but that's huge, right? Are we talking throughout the country or specific parts of the country, right? Cairo, obviously, is a huge city. I believe over 20 million people. Are we talking other regions of Egypt or are we specifically talking here in Cairo? The beauty of Cairo is that here, this tower, Four Seasons Tower, an apartment here is $5 million, up to $50 million. And right here, you'll find an apartment, the same space, for $50,000. So things are very close here. So when you create jobs, you create jobs everywhere, because the beauty of the Egyptian uh, population is that they're all weaved into each other, and they're all married from each other and into each other. So when you create a job, it, it, a certain type of job, it just goes everywhere. This is genius. Yeah. So you said that you're not a fan of real estate, but you just said that the Ritz-Carlton has $5 million apartment, goes up to $15 million. Um, so, A, why are you not a fan of real estate, and how is the real estate market in Egypt? Is it booming right now? Is it going up? Yes, it's going up big time. But I think that the value created by money in the business is much higher than the value created by money in real estate. This is a personal opinion. And uh, I like uh, to invest in things that create value because money is a byproduct. Money is not uh, a goal. You cannot wake up in the morning and say, today I want to make 200 pounds. This is, this is not how I see it. You can say, I want to create value, and this, this value will create 200 pounds along the way. So I think that real estate, it's not my thing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tech guy. I believe that technology is very important. And I come from a generation that doesn't really like ownership. 
like we're changing how things are happening we want Airbnb, you stay in one week and then go to another thing, you use Kareem and Uber, everything is like on-demand sharing economy. So I think that the real value is to pay money in platforms and companies and things that create more and more and more and more value. And real estate, I'm not a fan of it, honestly. I think that it's you're putting money in a block blocks of concrete that if you don't want to use it, then don't buy it. This is how I see it. But I'm I'm a very uh, I'm a crazy person, so, so don't don't quote me on this. Yeah, my wife thinks that this is stupid, for example. But it is what it is. Yeah. There you have it. Different strokes for different yeah. folks, but you have to go on what you're passionate about, what you like, yeah. and what you you know believe in. And there's no money like tech money. So <laughs> tech money today, but how long will it stay? So maybe ten years from the day, there is a new thing that's called something else that takes over the tech hype. Metaverse. How do you feel about the metaverse? I'm afraid of it because I'm a VR user. I'm a heavy VR user since it went, uh, it went as a commercial product. And I love it. Honestly, I love it. And I th it takes you away from the world and it makes you do whatever you want. And this is scary. Yeah, you so know, you, some, are you afraid because of escapism? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like whenever you feel like you don't like your family, you can put on the goggles and see another family. So it's, <laughs> yeah. very, it's, it's very risky. You know? a, a friend of ours, shout out to 19 Keys, he said um, he tried the HoloLens of Microsoft. It's not out yet, but it's like the Microsoft Glass. You know, HoloLens. Yeah, yeah. And he said um, it makes reality very boring. Yeah, Makes I use the board. Quest, which is the, the the Oculus, the Facebook, yeah. and I always buy the new one, and I play games on it, and I use uh, I watch YouTube the three whenever like if you watch the 360 VR videos of cities, there is a certain one of Hong Kong. There are many of them. You you feel you travel there, which is very weird, and you move and you you feel that you're gonna touch people, and whenever it improves, it will become just better and better. And it's scary, but but we have to face it. There are two ways to expand. Uh, those billionaires have to expand. They're either through space, going to Mars, or through the metaverse, because they have to create their own universes. Okay. And this is very tough. You said you were a gamer, so I'm going to go back to it. What were you playing? <laughs> what were we playing? I play Warcraft. Okay. And, okay. Uh, You're a real gamer. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I love Call of Duty. Uh, and uh, I think it's anger management more than anything. <laughs> you He's the guy who's cursing at me every time. You said me. something that was very <laughs> profound. And uh, this is, I know Ian will love this. Shout out to Mark and Mondays. Uh, you said billionaires have two options of how they can expand. In the universe, the actual universe, which that's why we see Tesla, Tesla uh, Elon Musk, SpaceX, um, and Jeff Bezos, and all these guys fascinated with space. And then in the metaverse yeah and that's why we see mark zuckerberg and now microsoft and phil knight just filed for the virtual trademark front mike so that's kind of crazy if you think about it like they're moving in two different universes the metaverse <laughs> and the actual universe yeah. and, and the, the trillionaire the first trillionaire will feed the, will be the person who takes the most traction like if people want to go to mars and they're willing to pay a million dollars to go to mars Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos will be a trillionaire. If people want to pay uh, $10,000 and use an Oculus, then Mark will be a trillionaire. Well, you know, it's so crazy, right? How much is Elon Musk worth right now? Uh, estimated $300 billion. So he's worth $300 billion right now, but they already have him being on pace to be a trillionaire, not based off Tesla, based off StockX. SpaceX. 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 Yeah. And SpaceX 
Is, that, is it even profitable? It's not even IPO yet. So the division is if it IPOs. That, but that's what I'm saying. They said it's going to have double the value but of Tesla. But maybe the new trillionaire would be someone we don't know who does something new. You never know. Maybe it's a fintech guy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but that just goes to show you the, the expectations for space exploration. Yep. If they're already valuing a company that's not even public more than Tesla, then they're already expecting that to be way more valuable than Tesla, and it hasn't even really taken off yet. Yeah, we've seen the companies. We saw Tesla is still trying to do it, but Virgin Galactic, same thing, they try to do it. They trying to us here. Remember, I told you that like King of the Comedy was like a joke when Cedric the Entertainer was saying, like, yeah, they're trying to leave us and go to Mars. Like, no, that was 1997, it was a joke, but like, no, this is really happening now. And so if we don't get ahead of it, if we don't become a part of it, I feel like it was the same thing when we had the Bitcoin conversation in 2016. We were like, look, if we don't tell people about this, we're doing ourselves a disservice to our community, right? Like, we need to make sure everybody knows so that they don't get left. Yeah. And so, like, the fact that we're talking about it now is the same concept. Like, we got to make sure that people understand what's happening so they don't get left. So, like, when you're talking about NFTs and we're talking about the metaverse of people, it's not like, he's crazy. No. Well, we just, were we talking about flying cars yesterday? <laughs> We just had this conversation about flying cars. If you watch the Jetsons, that was, yeah, that was just for you, right? Yeah, we had a conversation yeah. right there. There's a company that just filed the patent for a first flying car. They already have the technology, but it's just not leaked. But long story short, it's already in the works for the first. So when we watched the Jetsons, that was like, a, you know, it was like, no, it was crazy. but it's one of these things where Back to the future, same thing. everything that's in a movie is going to happen eventually. It has to. They already thought of it. If the human mind could think of it, that means it's possible. So I say that to say the first flying car will probably be out relatively soon. Yeah, like Black Mirror is is real. Yeah. And Ready Player One is real. Like someone has to be inspired. Yeah. Well, there you have him. Gotta come back with us. Coming back with us. Taking, can we bring him back, y'all? Yeah. <laughs> Muhammad, it's it's been a pleasure. What would you like to what would you like to tell the people? Um what would you like to, you know, to talk about the company a little bit, your social media handles, all of that, and any last words of encouragement, any last words for, for Egypt? Uh, I was just telling Troy, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a podcast guy. I'm, I'm, I'm very shy. I'm a trained introvert. I was revenant. I'm, I'm a coder. I'm an engineer. But I found that I have to speak in order for others to know, uh, because there is a certain bandwidth to humans. If, if bad people speak all the time, then people will just be bad. If good people speak all the time, then good people will be more. So I think that anyone who has something or has a certain story, they have to say it and they have to talk to people about it. And maybe someone gets inspired by this and you change his or her life. And honestly, what you guys are doing is, is genius because I, I don't believe in universities. I think 20, days, 20 years from today, no one will go to universities and people will learn from things like you and things like this. And this is where the real value is created because I'm, I'm an engineer who's now sitting on a podcast that had Shaq, Shaq uh, O'Neill uh, before it. <laughs> doesn't make sense. But because you chose to, to let me sit here and say my story. So you have to say your story and speak to others. And although I'm really shy now, I'm afraid to look to people in their faces. Yeah. But I have to train myself and I have to overcome this and move out of my comfort zone. And thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.
EYL Egypt soon come. This will be magical. Don't be surprised if you if we have a chapter. I, I, I look back and I saw the sunset and I, I, I got lost for a second. It was incredible. I'm sorry. Did y'all see it? Yeah. Who got a, got a good picture? You got me? My man. Uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful place here. It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, now, nah, this is amazing. Um, thank you guys. I saw. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs> a mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs>